Hello, everyone. It's time for another LJ and Redders AFL podcast. Lots and lots happening in the AFL, uh, as always. And it's a great welcome to our um, my dear friend, journalist and uh, sports broadcaster, Lucas Holmes. Hello, Louis. Hi, David. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's a very exciting uh, round of Australian Rules football, David. A couple of bits, uh, contract extensions and bits and pieces popping up in the last 12 hours, 12 to 24 hours. So plenty to go through with you. We'll do the bits and pieces first this time, just in a little bit of a change, and then we'll yep. focus in on that. what was a fantastic round of football with some great games and finishing off with Collingwood and Eston. You should see the smile. Someone's smiling like a Cheshire cat, no wonder. Uh, Louis, uh, contract extensions. I've got one from, from Footy Classified last night I'd love to bring up to you, but we'll go with you first. Contract extensions, I know there's a certain Melbourne halfback flanker who's relate, re- related to a famous broadcaster. There sure is, David. Big news this afternoon. Angus Brayshaw has shunned free agency, David Penny, a new six-year contract uh, with the defending Premier. So a huge, uh, huge coup there for Angus Brayshaw and the Melbourne Football Club. And so it's a big uh, a big get for them, but maybe a little bit more. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on the Luke Jackson front. It's firming that Fremantle could be uh, home to a to the Premiership Ruck for season 2023 and going forward as well. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. Perth players keep on wanting to go home. Okay, some interesting information um, is being spoken about in a moment. I don't believe that there's going to be a side in Tasmania very soon. I don't believe there's money for a $750 million retractable roof stadium. It's as simple as that. However, one of the things that was promulgated last night was really, really interesting is what people are starting to talk about with the Gold Coast Suns. Now, the Gold Coast Suns, as you know, are based at Metricon, and there is a plan surface. There's a plan flying around that Gold Coast play 11 games in at Metricon at Carrara, one game against the um, Brisbane Lions in their Pineapple Bowl. Then they play 3-4-3 three, and three at Traeger Park in Alice Springs, Kazales in Cairns, and four games at Marara in Darwin giving them their 22 games, meaning they never have to travel south or west at all. They've got to go north. I don't see how that works in that what that does is give the Gold Coast a huge advantage because they play in warm weather basically all the time, unless they get a night game at Traeger Park in winter, which it would be cold. But I can't believe that that's even being considered, Lucas. That's I find that fringe at best. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make much sense to me, David. Yes, the, the AFL are trying to get the Gold Coast Suns to work and they've, and they've pumped a lot of money uh, into not only the Gold Coast, but also the Giants and some of the smaller uh, Victorian clubs over the, over the last last fair few years in uh, the AFL since expansion. So there's that too. But I think if you're going to make it work, I don't think the other clubs will be happy with that, David. Um, just just to give such an advantage. Yes, the Gold Coast, they've been solid this year. I think they've been more competitive as a whole this year than, than any other year of their existence today. But I don't think it, I don't think the club, the wider clubs in the AFL community would, be, community would be happy with that as a proposition, considering how much you would think it would gain an advantage to the Gold Coast. It's, it's unworkable. Yeah. I'm all for football in Cairns, the Alice and Darwin, all for it. Got no problems. I'm all for football at Bell Reeve and at York Park and Launceston. All for it. Monica as well, if you want to throw another one in there. Lavington, for goodness sake. But playing all of their games north of the Tweed River is odd. And I don't think it'll happen. 
On to round 19, which was, in some parts, phenomenal football. Richmond and Freo, 7-10 apiece. Yes, that's right, a draw. At Bell Reve Oval in Hobart, North Melbourne, 11-9, Hawthorne, 19-7. In a very entertaining game of football between the Swans and the Crows, the Swans were berserk early, and Adelaide came right back at them, and the Swans steady to finish. The Swans, 17-16, Adelaide, 12-13. In another outstanding game of football, Port Adelaide 14-10, Geelong 16-10. Uh, and we thought that Geelong would be tested at the Adelaide Oval. We were right. The Pineapple Bowl, the Q Clash, another great game of football. Brisbane 16-14, Gold Coast 14-9. I'm very proud to say I tipped this last week and I actually tipped the margin. That's rare. For, that's even as rare. It's as rare as Rocking Horse, you know what. The Western Bulldogs 17-8, Melbourne 15-10 in a very... Very fast, high-quality game of football. On to Sunday, the first game was underwhelming. The Giants had a crack, but Carlton 13-12 and the Giants 8-6-54. But let's start with Collingwood at Essen and finishing in the dark there at the MCG. What a game of football this was. Collingwood dormant for two and a quarter quarters. At either end of the game, they came on strong. And then Lucas Holmes, our resident Collingwood fan, it's over to you. Talk to us first of all about... What must have been, I did, to be fair, I'll give everyone some notice. I did call Lucas after this game and he wouldn't answer the bloody phone. I believe he was talking to dad. But yeah. um, talk us through Collingwood and Eston from your perspective as both a journo and also as a rabid Collingwood man. I was, it was a tale of two, two halves, wasn't it, Dave? Collingwood for all of quarter one and what, and what three quarters of quarter number four were superb. Um, their ball move, their ball movement, and their uh, kick efficiency, which was in the uh, low to mid seventies, David, in that first term, was superb. In and particularly Jack Chris, when the going got tough in that last in that last quarter, was the one who really stood up. But you can't fault Essendon, David, in quarters two, three, and for the best part of half of the fourth term, their contested ball was superb. They were all over Collingwood, David, in that period of time. And Sam Draper. He keeps going from strength to strength. Mm. He had 16 disposals, uh, 16 hitouts, and seven clearances. Um, why don't you? But it was that first half, David, for me that was really interesting. There was there was no breeze to speak of, David, at the MCG. And as, as those that are that, that have some knowledge of, of the ground and the breeze that goes through there, it doesn't have a real direction. It just swirls. And in the first half, David, all bar one goal uh, in this contest on Sunday afternoon was kicked to the city end of the ground. So it, that was interesting to see. Uh, for, uh, for st stats and bits like that, David, Zach Merritt uh, was the player of the game, hands down for me. He had 38 disposals, two tackles and nine clearances. Uh, Dylan Shields, I've spoken about the last month, continues his strong run of form recently. He had 30 disposals, three tackles and four clearances. And for Collingwood, David, Taylor Adams on return from injury, 28 disposals, four tackles and seven clearances. And I spoke about Jack Crispy had 23 disposals, four marks. He plays sort of half back and then pushes into the midfield, four tackles and three clearances. And you can also add a, a goal of the year nomination for Josh Jacos and that, of course, that uh, Jamie Elliott uh, goal after the siren, which was remarkable. Uh, Essendon had a shot, as most people who know, about 35 to 40 metres directly in front of goal. I, I get, David, you're going back to have the shot to ice the game, but it was interesting to see that there were no Essendon forwards looking for another mark because then you take your majority of 30 seconds if you're not time-wasting and the, and the game's gone. But Pendlebury from fullback out to Moore to Trent Bianco on a wing and then his kick was perfect to split two Essendon defenders and Jamie Elliott kicked 
on the on the boundary line after the siren to win a fascinating game of football. Reminiscent of Brendan Favola quite a few years ago for Carlton against Adelaide at Football Park. And Favola's kick was actually slightly more difficult. I'm not saying that because at the stage I was a Collingwood fan, a Carlton fan. He kicked it from outside the line um, from behind 50. And the pockets at, at Football Park were deeper than the MCG. They're a bit like that pocket at Sydney Uni that we, you and I have broadcast. You talk about all the goals being kicked at one end. We've done a couple of grand finals at Newcastle, number one sports ground together, where there was a howling Newcastle August Seabreeze uh, running, and it was almost impossible to kick them at one end. You, you know, you'll well remember that. But yes, the MCG, the calm, which is bizarre, and then it the wind does swirl at the MCG because it's a real bowl. Just a fabulous game of football. Collingwood will consider themselves somewhat lucky. However, they if they put up a list of how their wins have gone, they certainly the cardiac kids, but they do know how to win. And as Craig McRae said, we actually practice scenario-based training. And that's I'm sure that that's based on some exposure they've had in America where and in America, people like Bill Belichick and, and Sean McVay and all the other leading coaches always always do two-minute drills with their clubs, just pre- just preparing for this exact situation. Yeah, just put a bow on it, David. I'm glad I was home by myself because I, w- I wasn't in a good state for a large portion of the game there. But it was a great win, a great win for the Collingwood Football Club as they are now in the top four. And there were some other games across the round that were phenomenal viewing as well. Oh, there were. Uh, Richmond and Fremantle, a strange old finish to this one, 7-10 apiece. Doesn't really help either club. And as Lucas said, Collingwood now in the top four. And if Collingwood can stay there, they don't have an easy draw, I might add. They've got Carlton and Port, I think, in their last couple of games. And Carlton, Port and Melbourne, I think. Does that sound uh, about right? Port Adelaide this weekend, David. Uh, mm. Round 23, which has just been announced, the floating fixture. I'll get to that later on. Yeah. Uh, Mel- so it's it's Port Adelaide 145, the MCG this week, David. Uh, uh, Melbourne, excuse me, Friday night, round 21. Uh, Sydney, the traditional 3.20 slot at the SCG on, on the Sunday afternoon. And then Carlton, round 23, uh, Sunday afternoon. Again, 3.20 is the remaining fixture for the Fo- Collingwood Football Club. Well, I think they've got to win two or three to get into the top four. It's a tough draw. Port Adelaide's probably nominally, out of those, the most interesting uh, and the, 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 the more favoured to win those games. Richmond and Freo a draw. Sydney played, Adelaide came back hard. Sydney kicked nine goals in the first quarter and went berserk. Um, and they went a bit dormant. Adelaide came back at them hard. We were watching sort of bits and pieces at the end of this game, and they uh, ended up finishing the business. Port and Geelong, what a game of football that was, and uh, Geelong getting home again. I, I might, might add, I think Joel Selwood plays his 350th this weekend, Lucas. The Q case was a great game of football, superb entertainment, and Brisbane just getting home over a gallant Gold Coast. The Western Bulldogs are looking a little bit dangerous. They have to be consistent. But beating Melbourne's a big win. They have such an advantage when they play at Docklands, because I reckon they're a four or five goal better side. And I say that, and I reckon the facts would actually bore that out, that they are a dangerous, fast-flowing football side, and they can put a big score at you on you at Docklands, particularly because of its uh, more, narrow, more narrow confines, and they move that ball quickly on the perfect surface. They do, David, and it was maybe the coming of age, you would think, for Jamara Ugelhagen. Yes. Uh, 20, what, 2020, 2020's number one draft pick was an academy selection there for the Western Bulldogs. He kicked five goals, David, in the sealer from outside 50 um, with about 10 seconds remaining. So it was a superb end-to-end game. I probably got the last quarter and a half of this one on return from 
uh, from Weldon Oval at Curl Curl on Saturday afternoon. But uh, Ugal Hayden kicked five, Fritch four, Sam Wiedemann, who came in for an injured Ben Brown late, he kicked three. Um, the, the only bit of set, the only thing searing that win for the Western Bulldogs was Adam Trelaw. David, he linked off with Sodet with a calf injury. He's listed as a test, so hopefully for the Bulldogs, um, he'll, he'll come good from that. Uh, speaking of uh, newly contracted players, David Brayshaw showed out for Melbourne on the weekend. He had 29 disposals and three tackles. Jack McRae, 29 disposals, a goal, two tackles and five clearances. And Clayton Oliver on return from injury, David, 28 disposals, five tackles and 13 clearances. But arguably, David, the most impactful player on Saturday evening was Bailey Smith, 28 disposals, five tackles and five clearances. And the uh, game that was just on the lower part of my list there, St Kilda 14-6, West Coast again playing okay, only having 12 shots at goal, West Coast 10-2. So St Kilda home by 28 points. Yeah, and a, and a uh, new signature re-signing there for St Kilda, Rich, uh, Richmond uh, Premiership player David Dan Butler, the mercurial small forward. He signed a two-year two year extension to stay at Moorabbin as well. So a, a big coup there for St Kilda, and that looks like they'll be getting some experience potentially back through the AFL this week, David, with Zach Jones and potentially a return for Dan Hanabry on the cards. Absolutely. On to round 21, there's some huge games here. And uh, sorry, round 20, I beg your pardon. There's some huge games here. They're all huge now, to be honest. Friday night football at Optus Stadium in Perth, if you don't mind, from Andal hosting Melbourne, 10 past eight Australian Eastern Standard Time. Then on Saturday, a huge list of football. I'm a bit surprised these first games in the daylight. Collingwood and Port Adelaide, the MCG at 145. 2-10, Battle of the Bridge. Sydney hosting GWS at the Sydney Cricket Ground. At Docklands at half past four, St Kilda and Hawthorne. At Cadinia Park, what another massive game. Geelong and the Western Bulldogs. And if ever the doggies wanted a test of where to see where they're at, this is it. And then finally at the Adelaide Oval, Adelaide hosting Carlton. On the Sunday, Gold Coast hosting West Coast. Richmond hosting the Brisbane Lions at the MCG. And Essendon hosting North Melbourne. That game's at Docklands. Lucas, we'll go to Friday night. What a game this is. Frio and Melbourne. Who do you pick? They're both bit up and down. I know who I'm picking. I'll go first. I'm picking for a mantle because it's in Perth. Yeah, it's a, t- it's a tough one, isn't it, David? I think it might be similar to the way we lean uh, potentially with the with the Geelong Western Bulldogs game, but it's going to be tough. I tipped Melbourne last week, David. They came up short just in the end. A, a run again for for Clayton Oliver to get some more rain into his legs. But Fremantle at home, they'll be wanting. It'll be sudden death for, for them, really wanting to lock in a, a top four and a, and potentially a home final. So despite last week me tipping Melbourne, David, I'm just going to edge with you. I'll go with Fremantle, but it's going to be a terrific contest. 100, it is. It's going to be a massive game, huge. And there should be a great crowd there. Melbourne going back to the scene of their uh, grand final victory. Now, Saturday afternoon, early game, Collingwood and Port Adelaide, this game at the MCG. Can Collingwood keep going? Um, Port Adelaide have been respectable in in recent weeks. I think they can. Um, I think Collingwood's got a bit of ticker. Um, They've got some structure. Kane Corns, who pretty much hates everybody, thinks that Collingwood won't go too far in the finals. I suspect they'll win one. I don't think they'll do a straight sets job. But for mine, I think Collingwood will win by 20 points. Yeah, I, I think they will win, David, too. The only the only thing that has me slightly concerned, I spoke about it before there, uh, Braden Maynard, who is, is undergoing a fitness test, I believe, uh, today on that injured shoulder that saw him subbed out at three-quarter time in that, in that thrilling game against Essendon. David would be my only 
uh, touch wood as to say they're in concern uh, as a Collingwood supporter. But I still think they'll win it. It'll be a tight game, David, about that two to three goal margin. Port Adelaide have bounced back hard in this last month, so month and a half. And, and their back line's key to that. Tom Jonas and Alira Lee across the back line there. And they've got some young, exciting players we've seen in the past. Xavier Dersma, uh, Connor Rosie in the midfield and going forward. But that being said, David Collingwood by three goals for me. We're right on the money there um, together. Sydney and GWS, I don't think there's anybody in football land other than GWS faithful that will tip the, the Giants here. The Giants pretty much looking to see who can play and getting ready for a new coaching and a new era at Sydney Olympic Park, let's face it. And these things happen in football. Uh, Sydney, clear favourites here. Um, they've just come off a f- couple of big wins. They've beaten from Adelaide and Adelaide and you'd have to favour the Swans here probably by 25 to 30 points. You, you you would, David. It's a it's the 24th battle of the bridge, but the Giants could have some big ins coming into this one, David. Uh, Josh, uh, sorry, excuse me, Josh Kelly could be coming back from concussion protocols, David. So too, uh, Jesse Hogan, who was rested last week, and Harry Perriman may be playing his first game since round 13 after that big hit, David, against North Melbourne uh, at, at Marvel Stadium that saw him with some injured ribs. And for Sydney... Um, it looks like Josh Kennedy could be back in the, into the fray for potentially his last season of his illustrious career. Um, that being said, as you said there, Sydney Sydney favoured, and and you, and you know why. I think they'll just come over the top. Uh, the Giants gave Carlton a run for half of the game last week, David, except until they really took the game by the scruff of the neck, as all cliches go. But I think Sydney have to be favoured in this contest, and I think they'll win by about four or five goals. The Kilda and Hawthorne, uh, you would secure uh, a clear favourites here. Hawthorne coming off a good win. Hawthorne are a bit up and down, young squad. St Kilda still have got pretensions to make in the bottom half of the eight. Um, I favour St Kilda here at Docklands by about 18 points. Yeah, this will be a, this will be a tight one, David. Two sides just sitting outside. Well, St Kilda just sitting outside the top eight. Hawthorne have bottomed out and they're on their way up, in my opinion. Be interesting to see if James Sicily and, and Max King go head to head here. This will be this will be one to watch. And two, I spoke about that before. If Zach Jones and both Dane Hanbury uh, come back into the fray for St Kilda, the two of, the two of those going head to head with Tom Mitchell will be one to watch. I spoke about Sicily, Ben McAvoy's their skipper's been back the last couple of weeks, and I've spoken at length this season about Mitch Lewis as well. So there's matchups all over the ground, and I think St Kilda will have the run and carry to outgun Hawthorne, but it'll be a tight game but we know how play, how well they play at Dockland. So St Kilda for me, David, by four goals. Geelong and the Western Bulldogs do battle at Cadinia Park. It'll be nice and cold down there at Sleepy Hollow on Saturday night. Don't you worry about that. The Bulldogs on their day are lethal. Um, Geelong has been the most consistent side over the last three months of football. Actually, the two form sides in football are Collingwood and Geelong. This is a fascinating game. It's going to be a great matchup. Of course, played in outdoor conditions. Um, the fact that it's at Cadinia Park leads me to I'll, I'll be conservative here. I was I was a bit bullish on the Bulldogs last week because I thought that Melbourne was vulnerable. Um, if the Geelong are vulnerable, it's Western Bulldogs running them off their feet with foot speed. But because it's at Cadinia, I'll pick Geelong by 15 points. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Geelong as well, David. I just think they're, as you said, they're one of the top two or three uh, teams most informed in the competition at the moment. Hawkins and Cameron just keep going strength to strength. Tom Atkins had a superb game for the Cats last week, David, in that in that big win against Port Adelaide. And the Western Bulldogs, even though 
they defeated Melbourne last week. I just think against Geelong at Kidinia Park, I just think that might be a little bit too much for them, even though they've got some experience in their side putting um, back-to-back uh, performances of that sort of emotion field style of football. I just don't think that'll be all right for them. Geelong for me, David, by, by three goals. Adelaide and Carlton at the Adelaide Oval on Saturday night. Um, given where these two clubs are at, if Carlton want to make that top four, which they've got an outside chance of making, they've been a pretty decent football side this year. And a lot of people at Princes Park will be very happy after that after a whole generation of despair. Carlton for mine, I think Adelaide are on very an average side, average to below average. Carlton are better than that. And I'll be uh, picking Carlton here by, because it's Adelaide, I'll pick Carlton by 17 points. Yeah, I think it might be a fairly dominating display in the end, David, but I think Adelaide will stick around for the first half to at least three quarters. We saw Collingwood escape a few weeks ago against them and they put up a fight the last couple of weeks. Adelaide, Rory Laird has been superb. He had it in the high 30s again on the weekend. Him alongside Ben Keyes have been the real driving force for Adelaide for Adelaide's mid-season um, sort of competitiveness. Taylor Walker signed a new one-year contract, so he'll play next year. And Riley O'Brien's been going from strength to strength to be in the top five or six ruckman for me in the competition. But that being said, the Twin Towers forward for for Carlton, Charlie Curnow and Harry Mackay, they'll just they'll just keep plugging away as they have the last couple of weeks and getting some um, some continuity in their backline will be key going forward with Jacob Wiedering coming back as well. So Carlton's just looking to be a little bit more settled, and I think that'll excuse me, I think that'll do them a world of good. Carlton for me, David, in the end by about five goals. Gold Coast will beat West Coast. It's just a matter of by how many you're tipping. I'll tip Gold Coast by six goals, 36 points. Yeah, I'll go about the same there, David. Five to six goals. I think they'll be looking to bounce back. Took Miller won his third uh, best on ground in the Q clash last week, David. So they've been going well there. Matt Rouse struggled a little bit the last couple of weeks, but they've got some contributors around the ground, the Gold Coast. And as you said before, West Coast have been competitive in patches, but haven't really been uh, able to string a consistent quarters together and I think that's really what's held them back this season along with some key injuries as well to some big players and that too there's some talk of Adam Simpson potentially becoming a North Melbourne coach down the line too so that's a storyline to also look out for. Richmond and Brisbane playing a very important game for the Lions. Um, Richmond are struggling to be honest with you perhaps agents catching up with them. Um, this game's at the MCG. Brisbane of course will be playing in Fitzroy Colours um, I'm picking Brisbane by 15 points here. I think this is a game they have to win, um, and I think they will win. Um, but the Lions want two finals at the Gabba, Louis. It's as simple as that. And um, I think that they'll beat Richmond. I'm not convinced that Richmond will actually make the eight at the moment. Yeah, this, it's going to be an interesting game, Dave. And there was some interesting news for Richmond over the last couple of days and a, a milestone achievement that I'll come back to in, in a minute. But initially... Uh, Kane Lambert, three-time Premiership player during the week, announced his immediate retirement from the AFL. Said their triple Premiership player, played 135 games, David, for the club, um, had to overcome some 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 issues there in the early part of his career, overlooked in a, in a, in a number of drafts. But a, three, a three-time Premiership player, Kane Lambert, uh, retires uh, for Richmond there too. And then, and then going to this week, David, 300 games for Shane Edwards. He's a fifth Richmond player to play 300 games and their first Indigenous Richmond player uh, to achieve that milestone. The other four players, David, uh, Kevin Bartlett, Bartlett. Jack Revolt, Jack Dwyer and Francis Burke, the other four Richmond players to play at least 300 games for the club. 
That's a very good question as to who's the best footballer of that lot. So you said Jack Dyer, Francis Burke, Kevin Bartlett. And Revolt, yeah. And Revolt. For mine, the best footballer of that that lot is actually Bartlett. Yeah, I think it's a toss-up for me, David. It's either Bartlett for me or Dyer, but I think Bartlett, obviously, a little bit before my time, but 400 games, a number oh. of premiership, uh, three uh, three premierships with the club and a number of important goals. I think it would be Bartlett or, or, or Dyer, but Bartlett, I think, clearly. Well, not not so, not not really clearly, not clearly. but, but would, would, would be the top of that list for me and by you and for you by the sounds of that. Yeah, um, if you've got he and Lee Matthews as your small forwards in the best in the best AFL twi- twenty two of, of all time, I think that that would be accurate. Bartlett was an unbelievable player, selfish, but my goodness me, to play. And he was and growing up. He's a Richmond fan. I saw him at the tail end of his career. And Richmond and Carlton had some great battles, of course, when I was a young supporting Carlton. But fantastic player. And then Essendon will beat North Melbourne. Just. How, how, how many by the way Essendon have been playing? I'm going to pick Essendon by whoa, 50. Yeah, they'll be wanting to bounce back after the weekend, won't they, David, in that tight loss? But Draper and Goldstein will be one to look out for. Uh, for North Melbourne, a little bit of sad news. Uh, this last day or so, uh, Ben Cunnington's had COVID in this last little period too. So a little bit more of a setback from his uh, return to play from a testicular cancer diagnosis the last little in the last year or so so it's sad news for one of the better contested ball plays in the competition over the last decade but uh this game specifically Essendon by plenty David I don't think many will argue with that no now under the ESP and unofficial Brownlow medal calculator very very interesting week because the top five players all got votes which is absolutely fascinating. In fact, Christian Petrarca and Jeremy Cameron in this list I'm going to give you the only ones that didn't get votes last weekend were Petrarca and Cameron. So Sam Walsh, 18 and a half. He got one and a half. Cameron, 19, on his way to a Kaji G's medal. Christian Petrarca, 20 and a half. So then Tuke Miller, my tip for the Brownlow, two and a half votes in that Q clash. He's on 21. Patrick Cripps, Carlton, two and a half votes. He's on 21 and a half. Clayton Oliver, Melbourne, one vote, 24.5. Andrew Brayshaw, half a vote, 26. And Lockie Neal in the same game where Tuke Miller lit it up, two votes. So Lockie Neal's on top 26 and a half. So the top five in order, Neal, Brisbane, Brayshaw, Fremantle, Oliver, Melbourne, Cripps, Carlton, and Miller, Gold Coast. Remember that Miller and Cripps and Neal don't have anyone close to them taking votes of them. In fact, neither does Brayshaw. But or Cripps may with Walsh. So particularly Miller and Brayshaw and Neal don't have anyone close to them taking votes off Louis, whereas Oliver, Cripps, Petrarca and Walsh are going to conspire to take votes off one another. I, yeah, can't, but, I can't pick a favourite right now. It's too close to call. Yeah, particularly in the last month or month and a half, David, I think you'll, you'll see uh, Sam Walsh poll high quite consistently. Not saying that Cripps has dropped off, but I think Walsh has really stepped up in that last month or so. Um, Andrew Brayshaw keeps going strength to strength there for Fremantle. I saw Nat Fife go down with a hamstring injury, not like he was he would have taken many votes over the course of the season with him being out injured, but there's no real um competitive for him as you spoke about. So too with Took Miller. So those two look uh, look like they're fighting for the brown at the moment for me. Yes, and if Miller has if Miller Miller's got to do an Ollie Wines now, just go three, 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 three. 
Um, Cripps, fascinatingly, his first seven rounds, 3-3-2, three, three, globe, 3-3-2. Three, three, but then he had four consecutive globes at two, three consecutive globes at one, and then a globe in the weekend. So he has slowed up a bit. And Walsh has started to get a lot of votes. His last nine or ten weeks, two and a half, two, two, globe, two, one, three, globe, globe, one. So he's coming hard at the end of that season. Lucas, uh, AFL Sydney, uh, <laughs> the, the, the monsoon, not the monsoon bowl, but late, the DY Lagoon bowl at the Curl Curl on the weekend. However, we're broadcasting and it's a massive game for Pennant Hills. Um, we're at Cherrybrook once again this weekend, my friend. We sure are, David. Uh, it's the final round. It's round 16 for the women's premier division season. Yeah. It's round 16. Uh, a few more weeks to go. The men's uh, regular season yet to, yet to come, but it's 12. 30 for Women's Premier Division. Uh, it's Pennant Hills playing UNSW Eastern Suburbs in a game that won't affect the finals, unfortunately, for those two clubs, but some very talented players uh, in the, in those two sides. And then Premier Division men's on the top oval, David. So we'll have to uh, walk around the other side of the building at 2.40 between the, the minor Premier and only losing one game this season. The UNSW Eastern Suburbs brought on hopefully inclusive of Key Ford, Kieran Emery um, against Pennant Hills, David, with... Uh, Theo Moraitis and Harry Maguire, who kicked six a couple of weeks ago uh, in that in that one-point win over Sydney Uni, which you and Sam quite well called in the end. We, it was a great game to call. Fast, fabulous to watch. Louis, I think we've it's, it's been established that there are a couple of teams that can win the women's competition. We saw um, Manly beat East Coast, or, the, or beat East Coast with a few out on the weekend. I still think Sydney Uni are a show in there, but certainly for my East Coast and Manly, the best two sides. And in the men's competition, it's going to be a question who someone will get two cracks at UNSW. Uh, I think that obviously they'll get a week off first week. They're going to be hard to beat. Remember, the final series are at their home ground at Henson Park. Just interesting to see who puts their hand up to come through strong. Um, we have a fascinating end of the men's season coming up, in particular the battle between Inner West, Pennant Hills and St George. Watch this space. We'll have some more information about that. Louis, anything further before we bid our fans adieu? There is, David, with the floating fixture in there, going back to the yes, AFL quickly, ahead. David, with, with the floating fixture, round 23 has been yep. confirmed in its entirety. They've had the teams playing each other, but no dates or times or anything like that. So very quickly, round 23, Friday, August 19, Brisbane v Melbourne at the Gabba, 7.50pm. Friday the 19th, Saturday the 20th of August. GWS v Fremantle at Monica Oval, 1.45pm. North Melbourne v Gold Coast, Marvel Stadium, 2.10pm. This all being Saturday, the 20th of August. Geelong v West Coast, Cadenia Park, GMHBA Stadium, 4.35 there. And then the, the evening games, David Eston v Richmond, MCG, 7.25. And then a showdown to finish <laughs> the season, why don't you? Port Adelaide v Adelaide, Adelaide Oval, 7pm, Australian Central Standard Time. And the interesting thing is they're most likely to be playing for pride and they'll rip each other's heads off. That'll be great entertainment. And then coming and then coming into Sunday, David, some um, important games here to say the least. Sunday, the early game, 110. Hawthorne v Western Bulldogs, Utah, so York Park, Launceston. Uh, and then two big games to finish off the round, David, with some potential top four implications. Carlton v Collingwood, MCG 320. That's a Channel 7 fixture. We'll all have our eyes glued to that one. And then St Kilda v, St. Kilda v. Sydney at, Marvel, at Docklands Marvel Stadium, 440 to round out the AFL regular season. 
And remember, everybody, there's a week off, isn't there, Lucas, after the finals? So where teams play is irrelevant. We, Lucas and I think that the finals will be set up Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday twilight, something along those lines. Um, it just depends how the finals finish and where the games are being hosted. There was one at one stage going to be four games in Melbourne. And at the moment, that's not, not the case. Uh, but we'll see when we get closer. But that Carlton-Collingwood fixture is enormous. Carlton's got home rights of Albion, Navy Blue, all through. Collingwood will be in their whiter uniform of white, white shorts, shorts, white yep. shorts and thinner black stripes. Um, that should have 90,000 people in. I'll be disappointed if that doesn't have 85 unless it's a monsoon. That showdown's amazing. Western Bulldogs may have to go to York Park and win to get in. Geelong... Now, Geelong won't be in a situation where they can rest their top players because they've got a week off after it, so they're going to have to play. Um, there'll probably be some people putting dinner suits. And Brisbane and Melbourne on the Friday night, if you don't mind, what a game that is. It will be, Dave, will be David and, and those interested as well with the AFLW fixture being released the last couple of weeks. The AFL, AFLW season will, be, will commence in that pre-finals buy for the AFL. And Lucas and I will actually do a podcast that week, Louis, and yep. as best we can, just go through the games of AFLW. Done. Thank you. On behalf of Lucas Holmes, Louis, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Cannot wait to see you at Cherrybrook. Again, broadcast times, please, for our fans, for AFL Sydney at Mike Kenny Oval in Cherrybrook. Indeed, David. 12.30 for Women's Premier Division. Pennant Hills, the host in UNSW is the suburbs. And then 2.40 on the top oval for the same two clubs, Pennant Hills and UNSW Eastern Suburbs. Lucas, thank you so much for your time. Great to see you wearing a the cold chisel T-shirt again. Very good indeed. Not a problem, not a problem uh, David. Last thanks. stand, uh, the, the second last concert at the, at the Sydney Entertainment Centre, David, which was uh, yes. preceded by Elton John, who I may, may not have got tickets for this afternoon. So looking forward to that as well. Newcastle International Sports Centre, the first big concert there in 25 years. That'll be massive. Uh, I think it's January 10 at the Newcastle International Sports Centre, now known as McDonald Jones Stadium. Elton John, get tickets if you can. Good luck. Louis, thank you so much for your time. We'll catch up with you next week. Not a problem, David. Speak to you then. On behalf of Louis, this is David. You all take care. Enjoy your footy this weekend. And enjoy, well, particularly enjoy that Battle of the Bridge. See if the Giants can stick it to the Swans and stay with them for three quarters. Take care. Bye-bye.